0: many of you have ever gotten involved in something that as it started to go and it started to grow and the difficulty started to mount you you had the thought i didn't sign up for this you know when when i thought about when i got involved it looked nice. this was you know this was the plan this is how it was supposed to work And after getting involved, it has now turned into nothing but a headache. And and it seems to get harder and harder. The more we go, it just keeps the difficulty seem to mount. And you know inside, you just want to say, no, I'm done. You know what? Never mind. It's not worth it. But what do you do in your heart when you know it is worth it? when you know you can't give up, when you have to press forward, when, when you have to find that something inside that just keeps you going and, and you have to latch on to what's important, you, you have to remind yourself why this is worth doing, why it's so important, why I should suffer, you know, the slings and arrows of whatever this is that's coming at me through this process. What makes it worth it? Because when we can find that, and we we operate out of this mentality that this has to happen, you know, that we we have to get through this, we cannot quit, there is no way to, there's no out, we have to go through, then you, you typically find a way of doing what is necessary to get through. And that's what Nehemiah does in in verses 5 through 23. We start to see they're going to just do whatever is necessary to get through this vision that God has given them. Because we're, we're through the easy phase. We're through the excitement. Remember at the beginning when it was everybody's involved and, man, look at this. Everybody's behind it and it's exciting and it's it's happening and we we can't believe it's finally here and the time has come and everything was wonderful and then what happened the threats started coming and they didn't stop and it just kept growing and more and more people started to to oppose them and then people within the community started to get tired and said i just don't think i can finish there's no more strength in judah and it all seemed to start just kind of collapsing in on itself it seems Now, I say it seems because it really wasn't. Now, how many of you in here have ever talked yourself into something being worse than it really was? You ever done that? Have you ever talked yourself into being mad when you really shouldn't? And then you talk to somebody else about it and you realize how kind of dumb it sounds, you know? You're like, maybe I shouldn't be that angry. Why? Because inside, we got this kind of inner monologue, inner inner story that we tell ourselves about how things really are. And when we start doing that and it doesn't line up with the truth, we start drifting and things start seeming worse than they really are. And we start to want to give up hope. We want to start to second guess. But you know, here's the truth about God when he gives a vision. When God gives a vision, he does not change his mind. When God tells us to do something, if it's a year later and we still haven't done it, guess what? God isn't like, you know what, on that thing? Never mind. You've waited me out. I know I told you to do it, but now that you know a year's gone by, I decided I've changed my mind. I don't want you to do it. Now, can we miss an opportunity to do something? Yes. But when God gives a vision... Not just a, hey, you should do this, but I mean a vision. When you know God wants you to do something, it doesn't go away. God doesn't change his mind. He, he doesn't, you know, decide, well, never mind, that was for then, and now it's over. God wanted this wall rebuilt, didn't he? He gave Nehemiah the vision. He moved heaven and earth to make it happen. I mean, he convinced the most powerful man on earth at that time, King Artaxerxes, To allow it to happen. And he's drawn all the resources necessary for it. Everything is in place. The only thing now that could stop it. Are those who are actually doing the work. If they decide whether or not to do the work. Now the enemy has come against them. And they've made plans, and they've threatened, and they've said, we're going to attack you, and we're going to hurt you. And they've threatened their families on the outskirts of the town. And people came in, remember, and they said, you've got to come to us now. You've got to come. And we, we, we see them out there. And everything that's happening, Satan is giving them reasons that they can use to justify quitting. And yet, God doesn't change his mind. And so when we reach this point with any vision from God, okay, anything. When we reach this point of having to decide between do I go forward and do whatever's necessary to go forward. I I, I just, I have to become flexible. I got to become creative. And we're going to talk about all of those in a minute. But I have to decide either I do what's necessary to go forward or I stop. Because it's one or the other. And so I want you to listen to what Nehemiah does, uh, starting in chapter 4, verse 15. And I think you'll find this interesting today. I totally messed that up, didn't I? I said 5 through 23. It's 15 through 23. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction And half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leader stood behind the whole house of Judah, who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each laborer on the work, each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, The work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall, far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, Let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me. None of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. So what we see here is Nehemiah goes all out. The the community goes all out. It's Okay, we've got to get the wall built but there's this threat that just continues to grow. These people continue to show uh, aggressive uh, postures towards us. And we have to be ready. Like they are expecting an attack at any moment. Now, I don't know about you, but that is stressful. They are now living in a an in, in extremely stressful and an unsure moment in their lives. Okay, we can read sometimes these stories. We kind of miss The human element of what's going on. How would you like to go about your daily job not knowing if somebody wants to kill you in the very next room at any moment? They're they're all going to be a little on edge right here, okay? They're going to be physically tired. They're halfway through building the wall. They're working on it. It's going. It's working. But they are tired and they are stressed. And now they're going to be a little bit of afraid too. But you know what? Through all of this, there's one thing that remains and that is the fact that the goal does not change. What is their goal? Build the wall. And everything that they are doing, everything that they are doing is to enable them to finish that goal. Now they're they're being creative, they're doing all kinds, but when God gives a vision, he doesn't change his mind as we said. And so Nehemiah set it up so that the workers had an armed guard standing near them the whole time. So think of that. You're now worried that you're going to be attacked at any moment. Does it feel better having a guy with a spear and another guy with a sword standing right next to you? Yeah. They're posted. you got a guard posted right there. Now, what are you doing? You're working. You're carrying rocks. You're building a wall. You're working hard, and that guy's standing there. I got you, man. You just keep working. You're doing a good job. Now, think about that for just a second. How many of you might start to be a little jealous and think, I want to hold the spear? You know, after a few days of that, you might start to look at it and go, I think he got the easy job. Man, I'm dying over here. And not only that, work is harder because, well, we'll get into a second, but the way they're having to work now. But Nehemiah knows, he knows at this moment what is most important for these people is the condition of their hearts. If they don't feel like they can accomplish this goal, it won't get accomplished. And so they're afraid, they've been threatened over and over. They know the threat is real. Okay, this isn't just an idle threat. They really are in danger. And so he stations guards everywhere and says, okay, you guys protect them, you keep working now how many people in that moment might be saying i didn't sign up for this you know life was peaceful i mean it it was it wasn't ideal but it was peaceful these people weren't trying to kill me before you know we as human beings have a a habit of doing things like that we like to rewrite history don't we you remember the the children of israel when they were leaving the hebrew people when they were leaving egypt you remember how they kept rewriting history as they were leaving they were leaving it was wonderful yay we're out of slavery we're free we can go and they're leaving and then as life gets harder and harder what do they start to say you know life in egypt wasn't so bad and they start rewriting history the point of you know what there was there was food in every pot you remember You remember how comfortable and nice life was in Egypt? Maybe we should just go back. Nehemiah is aware of this. He knows his people's history. He knows human nature. And so what does he do? He doesn't give them an opportunity to start to try to rewrite history. He pushes forward as hard as he possibly can and as safely as he can. He posts guards and he says, no, y'all keep working. We'll protect you. We will set people with shields, with swords, with, with with spears, with everything. We will make sure you are safe. You don't get to stop working. You keep going, and that's exactly what they did. You see, if every challenge that was thrown at the people was to keep them from building the wall, then what was the greatest task before them? Build the wall. Don't get distracted. And that is one of the things that happens to us in life. The goal doesn't change. When God gives us a vision, He doesn't change His mind, and we have to keep that in our mind, in our hearts, in our minds. What is it we are called to do? Because Satan is going to give us every opportunity to to get off course just a little bit and start focusing on other things. Now, are these other things bad things? Not in and of themselves. Is it bad for the people to want to be safe? To want to protect their families? No, those are good and noble goals. But the God-given vision is to complete the wall. And so they have to understand that everything else at this moment is secondary to finishing this. Now, this is not a long-term life thing that's happening right here. And understand the difference there. When we have, you know, long-term goals in life, then, you know, things will come and go or whatever, and it, it doesn't change. What's happening right here with Nehemiah is a, what we would call a short-term goal, a short-term vision from God. Once that wall is finished, life will kind of go back to normal. But it'll be a new normal because they'll have a city to live in and they can start building, and they can start building their economy. They can start, you know, worshiping and, and rebuilding their culture. But what they are experiencing in this moment is not permanent. And this is one of the things that we, when, when we understand the goal doesn't change, we understand that in the short term, sometimes sacrifices have to be made. In the short term, sometimes we have to work under conditions that are less than ideal. And if we're waiting for everything to be perfect, guess what? It's never going to be perfect. Perfect. You see, what we're talking about here is focus. Staying focused on what it is that God wants us to do. Nehemiah is a man of focus. He does not allow distraction. He doesn't allow discouragement. He addresses all of it over and over again. You know, he's even put in the uh, kind of the emergency broadcast system for him. You know what? He said the guy with the trumpet, you know, standing right next to him. And he says, you know, if there's trouble over here, we'll blow the trumpet. Everybody go over there. Would you feel safer in that environment? Yes. But you know what you're also being told is what's even more important than the safety is finishing this wall. The goal doesn't change. And the reason I bring this up is as we follow God, as we do what he tells us to do as a church and as individuals what is the goal of the church what is it that God what is it that Jesus laid down so long ago for the church to do make disciples that is our goal make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that he has commanded that is our mandate from our Lord that is our goal Now, there are a lot of other good things we can pursue as a church and we can look into and we can do. But if it takes away from that, then we don't need to do it. Now, maybe you do it in your own life and maybe even outside of here, outside of church, you, you do it. Maybe there are lots of different things that we could invest time and money and energy in that are good things. But as a church... Ultimately, everything we do has to come back to fulfilling the commandment Jesus gave us of making disciples who obey. Now, that includes outreach, that includes discipleship, that includes fellowship. I mean, a whole lot of things are involved in that process. But we have to ask, is what we are doing adding to our, contributing to making disciples or is it taking away from it? And this is what focus does. It keeps the right and proper goal in front of us at all times. And we see Nehemiah is a champion of focus. He does not lose focus on this wall. And he even knows why. Because after the wall is finished, he knows what needs to come next. Because he knows his goal. He knows what he wants to see happen there. And he pursues it like a, just focused like a laser beam. Now, who here? Remembers this summer, we talked about the parable of the sower. You know, remember throwing the seeds out and everything? I want you to listen to, to one of these in Mark uh, 4, 18 and 19. And it says, others, those are seeds, are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire, desires for other things, enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful what is he talking about right there he's talking about distractions he says if the word is our goal and to walk faithfully with God when we receive the word it will grow and it will do things but if we get distracted by other things if we serve other things in this world what happens the word proves unfruitful now is it the word that was that was the problem No. The word is the seed. It'll do what it's supposed to. You plant it in fertile soil and it will do exactly what God sent it to do. You know why? Because God said that in Isaiah. He says, my word which I send forth will not return to me void, but will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. The scripture will do what it's supposed to do. So when something proves unfruitful in our lives with God, we don't have to look at the word as the problem. We have to look at ourselves and say, where did I get distracted? Where did something else come in and take priority over the goal of glorifying God with my life, of understanding truth? Where did something else come in and take the place of God as the priority? Now, when I say that, you know, none of us really, we don't do that intentionally. None of us is like, you know what, today, God, I think you're going to be second. We don't wake up and say that. So how does it happen? Well, what happens is we, we just, as it says here, the desires for other things enter in. The deceitfulness of riches, the cares of the world. We have to look and say, what is getting priority in my heart? And am I focused on what God wants me to focus on? Because if Satan can't keep us from getting saved, then his next order of business is to make sure we are unfruitful. If Satan can't stop us from meeting as a church, then his next order of business is to keep us from being fruitful. There are a lot of churches in the world that God, that God wants to bless and He wants them to grow and He wants their ministry, but they are distracted and they're doing other things. Satan has distracted them and they are now unfruitful. And we know that that's a real issue because you know one of the, the chief things going on in the Southern Baptist Convention right now, and it's a movement that's been happening for a little while now, is a movement to revitalize churches. You know what church revitalization really is at its core? Let's get back to doing what God told us to do. Because we know when we do that, what happens? The seed is planted, the seed grows, the seed produces fruit. God is still in the business of reaching people, of making disciples, of transforming lives. God never changed that because the goal doesn't change. And so when a church needs to be revitalized in that sense, what they're doing, and and it needs to happen, but at some point they're admitting, you know what, we stopped doing what we were supposed to do. And funny thing, God stopped blessing it. And we're not sure when it happened, but it has happened and now we want to get back on track. And, And there are churches that this has happened wonderfully for. Why? Because they recommitted themselves to like, hey, you know what, outreach evangelism discipleship we need to focus on those things again and let's just really be serious about it they are and guess what god does he looks up and says welcome back been waiting on you now let's get to work is he focus keeps us from losing from from wandering off on the the, the side trails the bunny trails you know And so the Apostle Paul even told us how he dealt with distractions and kept his focus, okay? In Philippians 3, 12 through 14, he says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. So he's talking about discipleship, and he set the stage of here's all the things that God wants from us and what we should be doing. And then he admits, I'm not there yet, okay? I'm not already perfect. He says what? But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He says, Look, I'm not perfect. And I love this. The Apostle Paul saying, I'm not perfect. All the stuff that I've written about, I haven't mastered it myself. But this is the truth that God wants us to chase. This is what He wants us to do. I haven't done all of it, but you know what? I'm forgetting the past. I'm forgetting the failures. I'm forgetting the successes. Whatever's in the past is in the past. I'm going to press on for the goal. What was the goal? To know Jesus Christ, to make disciples. And He just continued on. He says, That's what I'm going to do. Now, where was He doing this? In prison. In prison. He's like, even in prison, I'm going to make disciples. Now, have you ever wondered what it been? You know, in Roman prisons, prisoners like Paul were chained to a guard, physically chained to another person so they couldn't escape. How often do you think that guard heard the gospel? Amen. You know why I'm in here? Yes, Paul, I know why you're here. That's okay, man, I love you. You know Jesus loves you? Yes, I know Jesus loves me. You know, I'm praying for you. I, and I guarantee it happened. You know, not annoying. He didn't want to get beaten by him. But, I mean, you know that he talked to them about Jesus because that was his goal. And the goal doesn't change. It simply does not change. And so we know it is a distraction from the enemy because it keeps us from fulfilling God's vision. Now, how many of you in here have ever had a project to do that you didn't want to do, so suddenly the house is the cleanest it's ever been? I mean, like every other project you've ever wanted to do got done because you're avoiding this one thing. You know what? That's what distraction is. Now, think about how, if we will do that over petty things, think about what Satan will, will deceive us. And lead us into when it comes to the major things of spiritual growth and health. What we'll, we'll put all kinds of effort into stuff. As churches, we'll put all kinds of effort into splitting because we don't agree on the carpet. Now, do you really think the split was because of the carpet? No, it's because, guess what? If a church is splitting at that level, nobody's doing what God said. And I mean that, nobody is. And so we'll have all kinds of energy that we'll put into stuff that doesn't matter. Whereas if we maintain the goal, we know that, look, we got a beautiful facility here, but we know this facility serves a purpose, and that purpose is to reach people for Jesus. This building serves a purpose, and that is the larger goal of being salt and light in this world. That's what we're here to do. And so if we kind of get to that point of saying, you know what, I'll do whatever's necessary. The goal isn't going to change. I'm going to, to maintain my focus on what's important. Then there's something that is absolutely necessary, and that is flexibility. Flexibility is required in fulfilling a vision from God. Because I can promise no vision from God is ever going to be fulfilled exactly how you or I think it will be. You know, when Moses left Egypt and God had them taking a specific route, I guarantee in human wisdom, none of them backs themselves up to the Red Sea. But probably at some point as they're walking, Moses is thinking, God, you see that? That's the sea. Yeah, keep going. Okay. Okay. Flexibility means having a willingness to change how something is done at its core. Being willing to change how something is done, not what is done. Flexibility is just simply saying, you know what? If this method of doing it isn't going to work, we'll do it this way. But we're going to do it. We're not going to change the goal. We're just going to change how we get there. And every vision of God requires us to do this. Because the goal doesn't change and how we pursue it does change. This is where God works within us. This is the moment of growth. You see, Nehemiah's ideal situation would have been without resistance and without threats, right? Right? I mean, he could go in and say, look, the king ordered that this should happen. I've got the cards. I've got the seal. I've got all of it. You all need to just disperse and go away and let us do this in peace. But you know what? It wasn't ideal. They are miles away from the king. These are not honorable people that are resisting them. And Nehemiah knows we're going to have to make adjustments. So he starts building, and it's wonderful and it's working, and it's going, then threats start happening. What happened? He has to be flexible. And he has to teach the people how to be flexible, like on the fly. Here's how this is going to work. You're going to keep working on the wall, but we're going to post guards around you. Okay? Well, I guess. No, that's, that's good enough. Get back to work. You see, he doesn't allow them to stagnate in their fear. He doesn't allow them to stagnate. He keeps them moving because the goal hasn't changed but how he's pursuing that goal has now changed the situation is now different they are now under threat they are now he doesn't get to say god i thought you wanted me to build this wall this is now hard i quit he knows if god wants me to do it it'll happen he will provide a way and that's what he even tells him he says look if we are attacked what does he say i'll blow the trumpet everybody go to that spot and then what does he say Our God will fight for us. Now I need you to think about that for just a moment. Because there's probably an admission in that statement that out of the moment we probably don't realize. Everybody rally to that spot and our God will fight for us. Why? Because we're going to need Him. Because this battle is probably not going to be very fair. There's probably more of them than there is of us. If this battle happens, God's going to save us. I just have that belief God will save us. Nehemiah knows he's overmatched. Nehemiah knows his people are not warriors. These are everyday people that he's asking to do extraordinary things in this moment. And yet he has enough faith in God to trust it's going to happen. God's saying, do it. We're going to do it. And so does he stop the work and face the threat, hoping to remove it completely? No, because he understands what the threat is about. The threat is about getting them to stop the work. So we won't stop the work. And we will be flexible enough to make the changes necessary to make it happen. But you see, this is what too many people want to do. They want to stop the work and remove the threat. But what did I say about a vision from God? There's no such thing as a safe vision. So if we're waiting in this world for it to be completely safe, we're going to wait forever. If we're waiting for conditions to be just perfect, we're going to wait forever. Sometimes we have to just go. And God will provide along the way. And, And so What is flexibility in life? Okay, it is making disciplined adjustments that allow us to reach the goals God has set before us. Now, let me say that again. Flexibility in life with God is making disciplined adjustments that allow us to reach the goals God has set before us. You know, when you're driving down the road, you have to make many small adjustments along the way right there is no perfect straight line anywhere why you got to turn you got to stay on the road we don't ever think about that we're pretty flexible when we're driving oh the road turns right I guess I'll turn right and yet in our spiritual life so many times I think we just expect like this path better be straight and it better be bump free and then I'll, I'll go on it. And the instant it starts to get bumpy, we think, well, something must be wrong. I just, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. I'll just stop. I'll just stop. And God says, why'd you stop? You were going along just fine. Well, it got bumpy. Well, yeah. I made that road. I know it's bumpy. Don't worry. I've equipped you to handle those bumps. I want you to learn about yourself in this process. Because this is where we grow. So God gives us a vision. And the vision is good because it came from God. Can we agree with that? So if, if the vision is good, then that means it is always worth pursuing. And I mean worth pursuing. It is worth every bit of energy that God wants us to put into it. It is worth it. And we have to decide that early on. Remember the sermon that Nehemiah preached to his people when he told them to fight. He, he finally said, look, don't give in to fear. Don't be afraid. And Fight. Fight for your, your, your children, your wives, your homes, your country, your brother. You know, I mean, he's laying it out there like this is worth it. This vision is worth it. And so if the vision is good, it's worth it. So what do we do? We start working on the vision, which is good because we are obeying God. We start the work. What inevitably happens when we start the work? Opposition arises, right? Right? Now this could be external opposition, it could be internal opposition. I may have to face down my own demons to be able to do this. Okay, I may have to change within myself in order to accomplish what God wants. I may have to face both. I may have external opposition that absolutely connects to my internal problems, and I've got to fight all of them at once. If that happens, guess what? It's God ordained. He wants you to face that difficulty. Now, he doesn't want you to face it alone, but he wants you to face it. And so this, while difficult, is also good. Because it shows that our work is upsetting the enemy. It shows that our work is having an effect. If we face no opposition, then that means our work is having no effect. And then... Number four, we have to make difficult adjustments because the opposition has made fulfilling the vision impossible under our original plans. And notice I said under our original plans. It's not impossible under any circumstances. It's just impossible with the mindset we had at the first. We have to be flexible. And this is a good thing because this is how God grows us. These adjustments are God's way of opening us up to new ideas, to learning new skills, to thinking differently, and to strengthening our faith and our resolve to serve Him. Now, has anybody in here ever gone from out of shape to in shape physically? It's no fun, right? You hurt. Your body says, Why are you doing this? You were so comfortable on the couch eating chips. That was way better. Go back to that. But you know, if you continue to exercise and you get yourself in good physical condition, there are benefits to the other side. But adjustments have to be made. And sometimes they're difficult. Sometimes we've got to push through some pain. Sometimes we've got to push through some, some resistance, some opposition that we didn't see coming. But that doesn't mean that God has given up on us. It just means we have to grow through it. Now, I bring this up because this is where grace is absolutely necessary for all of us. None of us knows where the other person is in this journey. And we have to be willing to give each other grace, encourage each other, keep each other accountable to fulfilling the vision God has given us, but love each other through the process. Because we got we got people all over the the spectrum on this as far as maturity and ability and and faith and where they're at. And and it takes all of us loving one another for this to happen. You know, I I would imagine when they were working on the wall, there were those who were probably really good at it. You know, they, they were skilled laborers. They understood how to build the wall. And then there was, you know, the perfumer who that is not his skill set. That's not what he's good at. He's not trained for that. He didn't grow up doing it. He doesn't know how to do it. But he's out there trying, right? Do you think the skilled person over is like, you're such a moron. Come on! You're you're killing us here. No, what's he doing? He's probably helping him. He's teaching him. He's like, hey, the best way to carry this rock is like this. You know, You're doing it the hard way. You're going to be worn out by midday. Let me show you how to do it. What is that? That's called discipleship. He's helping him where there's weakness. He's, He's picking him up and he's pushing him along and helping him in the process. And so the skilled worker has to be flexible with the unskilled worker. He has to be willing to change the way he does things to help this person. And the person who's unskilled has to be flexible and allow themselves to be coached. Flexibility is necessary for all, and again, we see the Apostle Paul was a master at this. He understood flexibility in ministry. In 1 Corinthians nine nineteen through 23, listen to this. It says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. See, as a goal, what? That I might win people. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. he says, I'll do whatever's necessary. All means, I might save some. The goal never changed. The setting may have, the people may have, the situation was different. It all changed. But he said, my goal is to win as many of them as I can. And if I've got to become like I'm weak to win the weak, that's what I'll do. You see, he was flexible in whatever he did. And so the more rigid we become in life, the more we will struggle. Because we're not just resisting what needs to be done. We're actually now telling God, I won't change. I will do this exactly like this. And if you don't like it, it's up to you to adjust. And you know what? God doesn't adjust. He says, oh, really? Let's just wait that one out. And you know what? God will wait you out. The children of Israel got to wander in the desert for 40 years. Why? Because they refused to be flexible and do what God told them to do. They refused to make the changes he said to make. And he says, okay, I can walk in circles. Do you get tired of it? Did God abandon them? No. Did God care for them through that process? Yeah, he still cared. But guess what? They were unfruitful. And to me, one of the greatest tragedies in our world is when a church is unfruitful. Simply because they are inflexible. And so then finally, the last point is that creativity then becomes essential. If we're going to be flexible, then we've got to become creative too. Nehemiah's guards, it says they had the spear, shields, bows, and breastplate. The arrangement of the the weapons here in the defensive armor reflects an intimate knowledge of warfare. He's using what he knows, and he set it up that they can handle a long distance threat or a battle up close. They're ready for both. And the workers, listen to this, those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. You know, there were people that were probably just scared and they thought, I can't do this. And you know what Nehemiah said? He said, okay, let's figure it out. You know what, lighten your load, carry less work, carry carry fewer rocks as you're building, and just carry your sword in your hand. And you just, when you're going back and forth and you feel alone, you've got a sword in your hand. And suddenly they're like, okay... I can do that. Okay, I can do that. Because, you know, a person does have a big, huge load of stuff that they're carrying. They're pretty vulnerable. And he said, okay, we'll take care of that. Lighten the load. Work with one hand. Carry a sword in the other. You do whatever's necessary to get through the moment. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty creative solution. Go ahead and draw your sword and just carry it with you when you're going back and forth. Will that make you feel better? Yeah, that makes me feel better. Okay, we're going to have the guard posted. You keep your sword drawn, and let's keep working on the wall. Okay, I'll keep working on the wall. You see, creativity becomes absolutely necessary. And then through all of this, nobody let their guard down. They didn't give up. They never said, you know what, I think it's okay. They never let their guard down. It says, I said also to the people at the time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes, each kept his weapon at his right hand. They slept with their weapons. What's he doing? He's doing everything that is necessary to get the job done. Now I want to ask, do you have that kind of resolve in your heart to obey God now? Are you willing to be flexible and creative and say, you know what? God has called me to do this. I'm not going to let anything stop it. I'll become as creative as I need to. I'll change whatever I've got to change. But I'm going to make sure this happens. Because I know it's what God wants. And so, two questions to finish. What struggle is God using using to strengthen your relationships, your resolve, and your faith? Maybe instead of praying that those struggles would simply go away, you start praying, God, what am I supposed to learn? What is it you want me to do? What adjustments do I need to make? And then what creative solutions are required? If God has given a vision, then he expects us to follow through on it. And if we answer these questions honestly, we can find a real source of strength and inspiration with God in our lives to see that He hasn't stopped working. We've just got to change how we listen sometimes. We've got to be open to new things and say, God, whatever it is, I'm open to it. And when our heart truly makes that adjustment, God does amazing things. He does amazing things in your own heart, in your family, in your church, and in our world. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the tremendous grace, God, that you have shown all of us. And God, I pray, Lord, as we do the work that you want us to do, as we seek to fulfill the vision that you have put before us, God, I pray that our resolve would not waver. God, that our desire would be for faithfulness above everything else. And God, I pray, Lord, as opposition, as as the enemy tries to stop, God, that we wouldn't see that as an excuse. God, we would see it as a challenge. Knowing that our work is having an effect. God, that we would labor all the more Knowing that it's worth it. God, that you would bless our efforts at making disciples. That you would grow our small groups, God. That you would grow the reach of, of our church here. God, not for our name's sake, but for yours. God, because people need you. The gospel is freedom, the gospel is life. And God, you have called us to share that, to preach the gospel to all nations. And so, God, I pray that that would just begin to be a, a, a fire burning in each member of this church's heart, to share the gospel with others, to love them as you have loved us, that they would come to know you and be transformed and, and lives would be restored and marriages healed, relationships healed. And your power would be on display in this city, God. Lord, it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.